0: Only then, that which is nameless, comes into being.
1: This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti Podcast. There can be unity only when there is no division. I am divided because of my images, my conclusions... My opinions. When I have no conclusion, no image, there is no division. Hello and welcome to episode 154 of Urgency of Change. Each episode of the Krishnamurti podcast is compiled from carefully chosen extracts from the archives representing different approaches to the many fundamental issues we all face in our lives. This week's theme is Unity. Upcoming topics are Innocence, Facts and Contradiction. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust, based at Brockwood Park in Hampshire, UK. Brockwood is also home to Brockwood Park School, an international boarding school offering a personalised, holistic education for around 70 students. It is deeply inspired by Krishnamurti's teaching, which encourages academic excellence, self understanding, creativity, and integrity. Please visit brockwood.org.uk for more information. You can also find our regular quotes and videos on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, which helps our visibility. This week's episode on unity has four sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's second talk at Brockwood Park in 1979, titled, Can Religion Bring Unity?
0: We were saying That self-awareness, being conscious of oneself, one's reactions, one's inward thoughts and ambitions, various forms of suffering, pleasure, and all the travail of human beings, to be aware of all that, Aware without any choice, just to be aware, without direction, without any kind of pressure, just to be conscious of all the inward and outward activities that are going on, especially the psychological activity of the human mind. That demands certain serious attention, not analysis, but pure observation. To observe without any choice, without any direction, without any sense of pressure, that needs quite a deep attention. And we are also seeing that religion is the only factor that might bring all humanity together, east, west, north, south. But as religions are, at present, in their very nature destructive, disruptive, divisive, based on belief, dogma, ritual, and tradition, hierarchical outlook, all that organized religion is not religion at all. Which is a vast sense of superstition, desire playing a tremendous part in it, and so leading to a great deal of illusion. Religion can only come about through meditation, which we shall go into as we go along these four talks and answering questions. And we said too that if we could think together – because for most of us career demands all our thinking, if you are an architect, engineer, scientist and so on. All our thinking is directed in one particular direction, our whole life depends on it. And so we are conditioned to one strata of thinking, or one form of thinking. And it becomes very difficult for those who are caught in a particular groove of thought to be able to think, not about something, but the whole movement of thinking itself. That's what we were saying yesterday. And it becomes so extraordinarily important now, as always probably, that human beings, should come together, not based on a belief, on an ideal, or on some authority, but have the capacity, the intention, the seriousness, to think together. Think not about something which is comparatively easy, But have they affection, care, attention, and perhaps love, so that we are able to communicate with each other without any barrier. So that you are thinking and speakers thinking are together. Then, we were saying, we we should be able to bring about a good society. The ancient Greeks and the ancient Hindus and others have talked about bringing about a good society somewhere in the future, based on some ideals, concepts, intellectual conclusions, and perhaps, rarely, Upon their own experience, that there must be in the world a group of a, a number of people who will create a society essentially good, so that people humanity can live on this earth happily, without conflict, without wars without slaughtering each other. And that society doesn't exist in spite of two or three or five, ten million years of human existence. Religions have tried to bring this about. But in their very nature, by their very organisation, they are separative. They are based on belief, dogma, ritual, authority and all the rest of that. It becomes really quite meaningless. Though organisations of such kind bring about certain quality of security, That security itself becomes insecurity when it is based on illusion. I think this all will clear if if one has gone into this matter at all. And is it possible while we are living on this earth, which is not the British or the English or the British or the French or the all the rest of it, it's our earth. And can we live there peacefully now? Which implies not some future idealistic society based on goodness, but actually in our daily life now, bring about such a good society, which means to have right relationship with each other. A relationship not based on some past images put together by thought, but a relationship in which that which is actually happening in this relationship of reaction, to be aware of those reactions and not build out of those reactions various forms of images which prevent actual relationship with others, our intimate Or impersonal is that possible? Which means can the human mind, which has been so conditioned for millennia, can such a conditioned mind be aware of itself? No, all the intricacies and the complexities and the reactions of the human mind based upon the senses. And becoming aware of itself bring about a deep transformation, a mutation in itself. That's the real problem. I hope we are communicating with each other. Or am I going too fast? Perhaps most of us are not used to this kind of thinking, (coughs) or this kind of explanation. Explanations are not actualities, Going to describe the amount. But to be close to the mountain, see actually the beauty of it, the dignity of it, the majesty of it, is quite different from that of the description of that mountain. But most of us are satisfied, sitting in our armchairs, to be comforted or made feel romantic about the mountain, through explanations, through painting and so on. But we are actually dealing, not with the mountains, but with actual daily life of our life. Can that life, which is now a travail, great deal of effort, struggle, competition, brutality, terror, you know, all the things that are going on in our daily life, Can that be transformed? Not in some future idealistic when the environment is completely changed to to bring this about, which is impossible. The totalitarianists try this, change the environment, and they say then the human mind can become transformed which is being proved nonsensical. And also there are the others who say human, mind, human conditioning, the condition of the human mind can never be changed. You must accept it, live with it, modify it, refine it and make it much more pleasant. But what we are saying… Is quite the contrary of these two, that the human mind can be transformed. Not to fall into another conditioning, not into another set of beliefs and dogmas and all that nonsense, but actually (coughs) bring about in itself A religious quality, which is the only factor of bringing about <coughs> unity among all human beings. All organisations have failed and we never apparently <coughs> see such organisations can never do this, but yet we are addicted to organisations, like drugs, like whiskey and salt. So we think we if we could organize, everything would be all right. Perhaps some of you have heard that story which I've often repeated. There were two friends walking along the road and as they were walking along one of them picks up from the pavement and looks at it and says, and his whole face changes, lightens, delighted and puts it in his pocket. And the other fellow says, what have you got? Why are you so happy about it? Oh, He says, I have picked up part of truth. It is so extraordinarily beautiful. And the other fellow says, now let's organise it. (laughs) And that's what we think through organisations, However, highly regarded, patronized, plenty of money, and so on, blessed by all the big canons of the world. Such organizations have never produced a unity of human mind. Because in their very structure and their nature, there must be divisive, separative, based on some form of idealism or belief, and so they are essentially destructive to bring about this unity of the mind, of human mind, which requires love, affection, care, attention, responsibility.
1: The second extract is from the fourth talk in Saanan, 1972, titled Can There Be Unity Between Conditioned Minds?
0: All effect to unify in this conditioned state results in further diversity. If this is so, is it the legation you speak of? And if it is, can one use the residual energy as one pleases, or will it result in, regu- in regeneration? The questioner says, we are always trying to unify, to bring about unity. In a mind that's conditioned, right? That's what the questioner says. I am conditioned, and you are conditioned. And we want to bring about a unity between you and me. I am conditioned as a drug taker. All my experiences, all my, etc. And you don't take drugs, but you are conditioned in a different way. And we are trying to establish a unity. You are a Catholic and I am a Hindu. You follow? Establish unity. You know the other day one of the high dignitaries of the church, Anglican church, very high, he was being interviewed and he was asked, what do you think of all the various religions that exist in the world? Oh, he said, they have some truth in them, they are all right. But the question is, what do you mean all right, what do you mean they have truth? Oh, partly, probably, a great deal. And he began to expiate, enlarge on that. Then he said, you know what is remarkable? We have the only thing that matters in, in our religion. Which is Jesus Christ, and nobody else has got it. You understand? High dignity, 20th century. I leave it at that. Now, can there be unity between two conditioned minds? Or will it not be inevitable that there will be conflict between two conditionings? You understand? Conditioning implies division. Where there is division there must be conflict. If you are my wife, I am your husband, or I am the wife. And you have your own ambitions and your own greeds, and I am mine own. I am conditioned to your conditions. Hmm? So we are, though we are married, we have children together and all the rest of the business. We two are separate, conditioned human beings. Right? And how can there be unity between us? And because there isn't, there's everlasting battle between us. Right? And all the women live, you know, all that is going on in the world. So there can be unity only when there is no division. You follow? It is so simple. I am divided because of my images, of my conclusions, my opinions. Right? When I have no conclusion, no image, there is no division. Sir, that is love, you understand? Now we, being conditioned, spend our energy in strife – right? – in wars, in battles, in all that is going on in the world. And that is tremendous waste of energy, though that waste of energy may be productive – you understand? Because I may have a little talent to write a book Hmm? and I become, you know, I sustain my vanity through the book. When there is no division, because I, that's a fact, I see the fact that the truth—that where there is division, which is conclusion, image, comparison, all the rest of it—that division must inevitably create conflict. If I have an insight, if I see the truth of it, then I have immense amount of energy to act totally differently.
1: The third extract is from Krishnamurti's first talk in New Delhi in 1962 titled Unity Cannot Be Brought About by a Symbol or a Flag
0: Take a very simple thing that's going on in this unfortunate country this disease of nationalism the first Politicians are inflaming it. And if you observe the fact that nationalities are always at war with each other, they are responsible for wars, the worship of the flag is a symbol, and the symbol is supposed to be unity. But it does not bring unity to the world at all. On the contrary, They're separating people, as religions have done. So that's a fact. Whether you acknowledge or not, it's irrelevant. It's actually taking place in this country. The poison, which never existed before, is being injected into the mind to bring unity. And unity cannot be brought through a flag. Unity cannot be brought about by a symbol. Symbol is merely a word. It's not the actual. And to face that fact, you require all your capacity, all your intelligence to discover what is true. And that means you have to disassociate totally from the collective
1: And that's very difficult to do
0: because you might lose your job. You might turn against your family. The innumerable unconscious difficulties that prevent you from looking at the fact. Take the simple fact again. You call yourselves Hindus, Sikhs, Muslims, and God knows what else. And these, you call yourself, and you are made to think through propaganda for centuries that you are this and that. And that doesn't make you a religious person. That doesn't give you the quality of real mind which is religious. You conform to the pattern of organized religion which is called, which has religious doctrines, beliefs and dogmas. Now to face that fact, you have to listen to the whole quality of a mind that thinks it is religious. And to so listen implies that you yourself are beginning to disassociate yourself totally from the propaganda which is called religion. So, sirs, to bring about a change within oneself and thereby with, in the world. And the change must come not through compulsion, not through agreement, not through intellectual words and arguments, but to discover what is true for yourself for yourself, which nobody can tell you, to be a light to oneself, which nobody can give you. You see, you agree for the moment, intellectually probably, But after you leave here, you'll still be a Hindu. You'll still be a Christian, a Sikh, a Muslim, or what what else, your names and labels. But if you really listened to yourself, to the process of your own thinking, actually observed, then you will see that you are no longer part of the collective. You are no longer part of the tradition. There is always already a breaking away. And the breaking away comes not through conscious effort, because the conscious effort is merely a reaction. And every reaction produces its own further reactions. So, if you are listening to what is being said, which is actually listening to yourself, not to the speaker, the speaker is merely pointing out in words and if you merely follow the words they lose their meaning they have no significance at all but if you listen and face the fact that there is deterioration in the world perhaps more rapid than before that the world is being taken over by the politicians, by the tyrants, by reactionary people. I mean by that word reactionary, those who call themselves revolutionaries, who are really tyrannical, because they are reaction. They they base their activity and their thought upon reaction, as opposed to capitalism. A reaction which is communism. And reaction is merely further encouragement of what has been only modified. So, observing all these things, that religion has lost completely its meaning. that education is training technicians, not human beings, that modern existence is so utterly superficial. We know all this. What is one to do? How is one to find a way out of this wilderness, this chaos? It all depends how you ask this question. You can ask this question either as a reaction and therefore find an answer which will be still a reaction and not an action in itself. Or you can ask the question which has no answer. Because it has no answer. And therefore, because it has no answer, you are thrown back upon yourself. Therefore, you have to inquire within yourself and not ask a question outside.
1: The final extract in this episode is from the seventh talk in Sanan 1975, titled Thought Wants Unity, Yet Brings Division.
0: There are two kinds of energies. I think they are separate. One is the energy of conflict, of division, of all the movement of thought. Thought has built outwardly a tremendous structure, technologically, socially, morally. That thought in its movement, which is time, has gathered together a momentum, a tremendous vitality, a force. And that energy is totally different from the energy which comes about through the understanding of the right area of thought and. Moving away from that area which is the movement of meditation. We know very well and felt clearly after these days of this talking over together and also by observing what's going on in the world. The division, the wars, the utter lack of consideration, carelessness, brutality, violence, an immense suffering brought about by this division, ideologically as well as psychologically. That energy has built the world of reality. I think this is fairly clear when one observes it, not only outwardly, but also when one is aware of what is going on inwardly. Now we are asking. As that energy has not solved any of our problems psychologically, and unless one solves this psychological problem of correct living – correct living implies accurate living, not a living according to a pattern or according to an ideal. Or to some gathered experience as knowledge. But that energy which has thought, which thought has brought about, has not solved human relationship. Now, is there another kind of energy? we are inquiring together we are not laying down we are not the authority we are just together you and the speaker are investigating into a question which is is there another kind of energy which is not the energy of thought in the in its movement as time Is there another kind of energy which will solve the problem of relationship, the problem of death, the whole human existence, with all its complex problems, because our existence is not very simple? It is getting more and more complicated, more and more complex. And we want a single answer to all this complexity. Tell us what to do, we will do it, or is there a way of living which is not… The mere movement of thought with all its conflict is there a way of living which is in which there is no conflict, in which there is a unitary movement of mankind, and is there an energy which is not time binding and which is which may uncover something that is really sacred. This is what we are going to inquire into together. The speaker is not talking to himself. We are sharing together this problem, knowing that thought, because it is fragmentary, is not the factor of the unification of mankind. Politically that is essential. And no dictatorship, no socialist or communist government is ever going to produce this unity. Otherwise we will be destroying each other, which is what is going on. So we are going to inquire into the origin of an energy which is not the movement of time. I do not know if we can do this together with such a large audience, because this requires a great deal of attention, a great deal of care. And no possibility of illusion, no possibility of deluding oneself that one has this peculiar energy. So one has to be understand first that there must be no kind of self-hypnosis, no illusion, no deception, no hysteria. So we have to find out what is the cause of illusion. Right? If, I am, if we are to inquire into this question whether there is a, an energy which is not that of thought, one must be absolutely clear. That one doesn't create illusion. The word illusion means sensuous perception of objective things involving belief. Please bear involving belief. So a mind that is caught in belief, must inevitably bring, bring to itself illusion. And there must be illusion as long as there is a desire. Desire being something to which we cling to, which we long for which we subjectively crave, after, run after, all these factors produce illusion. So if you are to enquire together into this question one must be free of complete, of having a, no end, no goal, no belief, and therefore no illusion. Can you do this? Because we are going to go into something very, very complex, and unless... One's mind is very clear on this point that illusion, deception, imagination, a desire for some kind of energy, if there is any of that wave or movement in one's inquiry. Then you are going to end up in an asylum, which most people are doing already. This is very, very serious, this isn't the thing that you play with. So we are going to empower with a mind that is not going to be caught in any form of deception. Deception arises only when there is a desire to achieve something, or to realise something, or to come upon something. Is this clear? So, is there a different kind of energy? And to find that out accurately we must have, naturally, put order in our daily life. Because if there is no order in our daily life, enquiry into that is merely an escape like taking a drug, drinks, anything, just an escape. And that escape becomes actual and illusory. Right? When we mean by order in the world of reality, which is order in the world of relationship, between you and another, man and woman and so on. That relationship is society. Please listen to all this, it is your life, and if there is no order in that life, in that In the field of reality in which we live, you cannot possibly do what you will, come upon that energy which is not the product of thought. We mean by order a movement of total comprehension of the activity of thought, which we have discussed perhaps ad nauseam for the last seven talks, to perceive totally as a whole movement of thought, which has brought about, in reality, utter confusion. Perhaps this is the first time some of you are hearing all this, so I am afraid we can't go over all the things that we have already talked over together. But what we are saying then is that… Has brought about confusion. Thought has brought about division between human beings. And yet, thought wants unity. Please follow this. And so, it has created a center. The center which it is the centre that will hold things together. Not only the centre in oneself, but the centre in governments. You follow? After all, dictatorship is a form of centre, trying to hold a group of people. Religions have made that centre, hoping to hold man together. Catholicism, Hinduism, and so on, so on, so on. Thought has created a centre, and that centre has become independent of thought, and that centre exists hoping to create, bring about a complete unity of mankind. You are following this? You watch this. In your own relationship, in the family, there is a centre. The centre is the family, and trying to hold that family together. And thought in the field of reality, wanting unity, Security, stability has brought about instability, insecurity. There is no cohesive movement, no cooperation. And when we are talking about order, we mean co- unity in the field of reality. Right? Is this clear? So unless that sense of harmonious existence, existence happens in the world of reality, you cannot possibly inquire into the other. Then your enquiry will be distorted because it's an escape. It, your enquiry then will pursue illusory Intimations, which then you will accept as reality. Right? So we are going to say whether one's mind, whether one's life, daily life, is accurate, which means care, which means attention which means diligent application not negligence there is difference between diligence and negligence diligence means care accuracy mean what you say A life that is completely correct, orderly, care with care. Contrary to that is negligence. So having laid the foundation of order in reality, then we can proceed to inquire into the question whether there is or there is not an energy which is not the movement of reality, which doesn't mean illusory. Right? That means there must be freedom to inquire. No attachment to a belief, to a person, to an idea, to a country, to a leader. Because if you are attached, held, to your opinion, to your judgment, to your conclusion, to your leader, to your guru, to your priest, to your con- all that you—that very attachment denies freedom of inquiry. These are obvious facts. As scientists, if he is to inquire very deeply, he cannot be bothered with the country, with the nation, with the world. He is completely absorbed in what he is doing. So then the mind now is capable of enquiring – I hope your mind is capable. Capable means having an instrument that can be actively, swiftly, able to perceive, to see, without distortion. And that distortion will take place as long as there is the observer. The observer is the past, the conclusions, his memories, his desires, his will, as long as there is that observer. Whatever he perceives must be distorted. If I am a Hindu, or a Catholic, or a communist, or whatever it is, or addicted to beliefs, then perception, that is seeing, becomes clouded, distorted, not accurate. What we have been talking about for the last six gatherings here is part of meditation. Meditation isn't something separate from the understanding and the action of, in the world of reality. That is part of meditation. Meditation, the meaning of that word means to ponder over, to think about, to go into. That's what we have done, which is, we are saying, is part of meditation. But unfortunately for most people, meditation is something apart from life, apart from daily existence. We think by meditating we'll, en- we'll achieve an experience which will alter our structure of thought and from there act in the world of reality. You understand? You understand? That is, I hope by meditating to have a certain experience or understanding or realisation, which will then function in the world of reality and therefore bring order there. Hmm? This is what most people are doing right through the world, unfortunately introduced by the gurus from India. See the fallacy of this. First, seek God or whatever it is, and then everything will be all right. But you have never inquired who is the seeker. The seeker is the observer, is this thing put together by thought. So, meditation is the understanding of order and accuracy in the world of reality. That's part of meditation. Meditation also means much more, not just bringing order in reality. That's anybody can do that. Any sane, rational, healthy human being can do that without meditating. But it gives, in, in, through meditation, it gives beauty to the order in daily really life.